How's it going? Welcome to Screen Speak, a podcast that is all about movies, life, and so much more. I'm Jordan Anderson, this is my podcast, and I do appreciate each and every one of you for coming by and giving it a listen. If you haven't done so already, please, please go ahead and hit that follow button. Uh, really, really helps the growth of the podcast as well as downloads do. So you can follow and download episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. There is also social media for the podcast. That's right. There is an Instagram for the page as well. Uh, I'm trying to get those followers up on that. So you can go ahead and follow that as well. Uh, it's just simply titled at Screen Speak Podcast. So you can check that out. Again, I'll say that again. At Screen Speak Podcast. Uh, that is the Instagram for the podcast where I will occasionally be posting uh, some sneak peeks on upcoming episodes as well as some other movie related things when I have the time. Uh, so definitely go ahead and do that. And then the last plug is, of course, the YouTube channel uh, just called Screen Speak. Um, you can find some audio bites of episodes if you just want a taste of Screen Speak but maybe don't want to dive all the way in. Uh, you can check that out. And then eventually, 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 I have said this a few times, video support will come eventually. I can't really guarantee right now that it'll be for entire episodes, but at the very least, I'm trying to work towards uh, putting together some video clips uh, of some of the episodes, especially when I uh, actually have guests um, you know, in the office or in the studio. So that will be super, super great once I can get that going. But I got to give myself patience, you know, there's only so much time in the day. And I, I think that's something that we can all relate to right now. Everybody's just busy. Just, you, you think so? Like, I mean, do you think so? I mean, I, I am asking you, I, I'm asking you the listener. Do you think everybody's like pretty busy right now? I don't know. It, it seems that way to me that a lot of people are, I don't know, they're feeling, feeling spread thin or just you know, their, their time is you know, maybe a bit off balance or they feel like they're off balance. I'm, I'm not really sure. Uh, but I don't know. Let's, let's just try to take, just take, take a moment, you know, for yourselves from time to time. That's, I think that's what I'm trying to get at. You know, we all need a, we all need some mercy. We all need some grace from time to time. So just, just take a deep breath. It's going to be okay. We're going to get through this, uh, together. Cause that's what it's all about here on screen speak. Apparently, is now outside of movies i'm trying to tell you how to live your life by <laughs> taking deep breaths and relaxing and just by telling you that you know things are things are gonna work out okay yeah if, if you haven't heard that one in a while that's that's yeah that's what i'm here to tell you that's yeah yeah why not right let's let's be positive let's be positive on this episode before i get into this pretty dark movie that i uh am gonna talk about but Anyway, hopefully some of that made sense. I don't know. We're going to keep going. So I'm here today to talk all about the movie Bone Tomahawk, uh, which is a, in my opinion, a vastly underrated, uh, underrecognized movie. Uh, largely, I'd say probably, uh, probably because of its independent film status, which I will get to a little bit later on, because I, I actually think the subject of independent film is... Well, it's a rather interesting one, and, and one that I, I think is worth expanding on and, and you know, just just kind of going through a little bit. Like, what makes a movie an independent film? Like, you know, what does that even mean? I, I think people have a, a concept of what it means, but how often do we really dive into it? So I'd like to use this episode to talk about that 
um, and and just kind of what that means. Uh, and of course, and have it be relate in relation to Bone Tomahawk. But anywho, let's not get ahead. So first. If you have not seen Bone Tomahawk, uh, I'm just going to get it right out of the gate right now. I definitely, definitely recommend you check it out. Uh, In past episodes I've been doing on movies, I do typically tend to contain spoilers in them. But for this, because this is actually a movie I'm trying to encourage people to see and, and so that it can get more eyes on it. Uh, and get some more views. I'm, I'm really not going to go into too many spoilers uh, on this. But anywho, that's, I guess that's how you know that I, I really want you to see it. Is if I am not willing to talk about those spoilers with you. So, anywho. Whew. Let's just, let's just, uh, yeah. We want to keep going? Uh, yeah, I think we want to keep going. Alright, so. Bone Tomahawk. This is the synopsis. So, in the Old West, a sheriff played by Kurt Russell, that's right, freaking Kurt Russell and his fantastic facial hair in this movie. <laughs> uh, but it's about, uh, it, it, it takes place in the Old West, and it's about a sheriff, his deputy, played by Richard, Jenkin, uh, Richard Jenkins, a gunslinger, played by Matthew Fox, and a cowboy, played by Patrick Wilson. Uh, all of them embark on a mission to rescue three people from a savage group of cave dwellers. And what the story it's not saying on here is that they're they're not just simple cave dwellers they are cannibals uh in fact i think they're referred to in the movie as troglodytes i i think which i don't know the full history of them i will get to them a little bit later in the episode i'm not sure if they're based off of like a real uh native american tribe or if it's just uh pure purely invented for the story i'm not really sure but they are they're going after cannibals that have abducted uh, the, the cowboy's wife, which is played by Patrick Wilson. His his wife gets uh, abducted by these by these cannibal Indians, I guess. And and anyways, the the sheriff, his deputy, and uh, Matthew Fox, who plays a I guess a gunslinger of sorts, uh, and then Patrick Wilson. They all agree to go embark on this. Uh, I think it's like a five day ride that it's supposed to be, like for how far they have to go. Um, to go rescue, uh, you know, Patrick Wilson's wife uh, from these really scary, scary cannibals. So it's, I mean, it's a, it's a pretty wild, wild movie. I'm just gonna let you know that right now. There are some very impactful scenes in this movie, and I can also say that, just generally speaking, I don't think it's a movie for everybody. So as high, highly recommended as I'm going to, you know, say that this movie is or that I'm going to endorse, I don't think that it's going to be something for everybody. So, you know, there's that. So, a bit more, bit more background on the movie. It was released in September of 2015. Uh, it is a, a low-budget movie, an independent film for sure. I know the movie had a budget of about, we'll call it $1.8 million, maybe $2 million, just to be generous. So that's very, very little if you're looking at uh, how, you know, big studio films tend to have their budgets. Um, and especially for a Western, I think it's it's actually pretty remarkable that what they were able to pull off with the budget that they did. Uh, but sadly, the movie only grossed about uh, 481000 and I believe that was a worldwide gross on there. So, I, get, I mean, I don't know. It's, it's hard for me to call movies like this purely a bomb because... 
it is an independent movie, therefore it has limited theatrical release. Um, even the, the, the release platforms that it does have is, is likely limited just due to his budget and, and how far of a reach it can really have. So I don't really know if I would say this movie's like a bomb. I don't know if it was really setting out to make a lot of money. And I'm not sure if that makes sense because that's always kind of the, the interesting thing I find with uh, independent films is that the majority of them, unless like they get some sort of academy acclaim and you know get a wider audience because of that, uh, most of them don't make a ton of money, but yet they do get a lot of critical acclaim and then they can develop, uh, sorry, develop a cult status just like this movie, I, I think has certainly garnered since its release in, in 2015. Um, some other interesting uh, thoughts, or in, not thoughts, interesting facts uh, about the movie. Uh, it was it was filmed in Malibu, California, um, which that's kind of cool because I I mean I don't know it, it, I mean it looks like it's shot in the Old West, which I guess old the Old West would be out in California, so I, I think that makes sense. Uh, but it was only it was shot over the course of just 21 days, which I mean I I can definitely tell like there's uh, lower budget aspects of the movie, but I mean considering everything that's in the movie, I mean I I think that's pretty pretty damn impressive that they were able to pull off a movie like this in such a short time frame um very 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 great but anywho just my overall thoughts on the movie which i kind of said what some of those were but i really really like this movie and i can tell you that i like it for a couple of different reasons one i mean the story is, it's an original story. It's not based on a true story. It's not based off a book. It's a, it's a purely original screenplay, uh, which that is always very, very refreshing, especially when you come across those people. Um, and, and you know which people I'm talking about, the ones that are like, oh, like Hollywood's all out of ideas. They're never making original movies anymore. Uh, blah, 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 blah. Well, um, hate to burst your bubble out there for if you've ever been a person that said that, but that's where you got to look at independent films. Independent films is, is where you can find that. But as far as the movie goes, uh, if I had to give it a rating, like, you know, just right now, I'd probably give it, I mean, yeah, I, I think I'd give it a B plus, maybe even an A. I mean, yeah, you know what? Yeah, no, I'm going to give it an A. I'm going to give it an A because it's original, it is unique, it has guts, uh, uh, literally and metaphorically, <laughs> um, and it's, uh, I think it's, I think it's a thought-provoking movie. I mean, I, I certainly, when I finished the movie, because I, I actually recently only saw it for the first time within like the last week or so, I, I didn't see it when it came out in 2015, sadly. But I've I followed um, the filmmaker uh, S. Craig Zoller for a, a little while anyway. I, I think the first movie I saw from him was uh, Brawl in Cell Block Ninety Nine with with Vince Vaughn, and I and I really enjoyed that movie um, and its uh, sort of throwback but modern twist on like seventies grindhouse films. Very very much enjoyed that, and then I saw his uh, his follow up to that, Dragged Across Concrete. Uh, that also had Vince Vaughn, but then uh, the the great Mel Gibson in it as well. Um, but anywho, I, 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 I've said this a couple of times in this episode, but I will get to more on, on S. Craig Zoller here uh, later on. But 
overall, this movie, it's an A. It's original. It's it's got guts, and it's just uh, yeah, it's it's a good good time for a movie, and I I think it's one that will engross you completely if you let it. So let, let, let's let's keep going. So I told you all I wanted to talk about independent film because. This movie definitely is an independent film, and I'll tell you a couple of reasons uh, why it's an independent film, and just talk about uh, what really classifies independent film as independent film. So, first and foremost, the the term independent film comes from the fact that the movies are funded independently. Duh, right? It's in the title. Uh, but they get funded from a variety of different places, unlike, you know, like, say, if it was, like, a Disney or, in this case, uh, you know, in, in latest times, anyway, there's, you know, Netflix, Amazon, uh, these these bigger studio systems, if you want to call it that. Uh, they tend to fund a lot of those movies directly, and they have the resource from um, just their own selves to be able to do it. But independent film... Uh, they're usually pieced together from a variety of different sources, hence why I think a lot of people joke sometimes when they see an independent movie. There's always like 10 production company logos that get played before the movie gets played. Uh, and that's because it, it takes uh, a lot of different uh, money, time, and resources to be able to get these movies off the ground when you can't rely on the big, uh, big studio system to write you a check. Um, so I think it's, it's very interesting actually how, how these films just kind of come about and get off the ground. And it also goes to show you just how damn hard it is to make a movie. I mean, I don't know if people take that for granted or just don't really take the time to consider it, but it takes so much work, uh, from what I can tell in research I've done to actually get a film made, let alone one that doesn't have you know, all the time in the world to make it and a big budget and A-list cast, even though I would say, I would I would argue that there is some, actually a couple A-listers in this movie, but I digress. So independent films, they are independently uh, invested. Uh, they usually are ran by small production companies. I would say the films in and of themselves, they typically tend to be non-formulaic, and I, I would say this movie is definitely like that. It doesn't follow any kind of formula to, that I've ever seen. I uh, definitely think this movie is very much unique in and of itself. Um, and then something else that independent films, I think, do is that they tend to sometimes combine genres or mix genres. Uh, which you could argue that some of the mainstream ones do that as well, but independent films seem to take more chances with that. I also think that they uh, tend to avoid a lot of the uh, bigger stereotypes that you see often depicted in these bigger movies. Um, they can sometimes feel, I guess, a bit more authentic. Um, part Partially, that can just be due to budget constraints because they have less to work with, so sometimes it gives the films a bit more of a quote-unquote real look. Um, and then I would also say that just given the nature of a lot of independent films, not all of them, but I think a lot of them tend to cover more, uh, personal stories or thought provoking stories or intimate stories. Um, because sometimes, you know, sometimes the reason an independent film is made, it's not always just because of a lack of money. Uh, sometimes there's just certain stories out there that, uh, you know, a bigger studio just might not really see as being a worthwhile investment or, um, 
I, well, I guess, listen to what I'm saying. I guess I am saying it kind of comes down to money. Um, but I don't know. I just feel like there's there's interesting stories that only independent films sometimes are capable of tackling where a bigger studio wouldn't always be so willing to take a chance or a gamble on it. Uh, whereas an independent film, there's a lot more freedom with that. So, anywho, I, ho- I hope you found that interesting. Um, but... Something else I always think about with with independent film as well, and and also in its uh, relation to original film, is yeah, I'm trying to think. How do I say this? People, I hear a lot of people always say like, "Well, how do I go about finding independent movies and supporting them? Like, how how in the hell can I do that?" Well, there's a couple of different things that you can do for that. One. And I know we're in COVID times and it might be considered a risk, but you can go to the movie theater. And I don't just mean like the big, the, the big multiplex that might be around the corner from your house. Uh, there's smaller theaters that, that certain cities have. You can maybe drive to another city if you choose to. Um, and certainly go to those different types of theaters. Cause just like uh, with the big movie studios out there, I think theaters uh, sometimes can be similar to that being that there are some like art house theaters or, um, you know, theaters out there that have more of an independent film focus because they really want to champion the filmmakers behind those stories, uh, and give them a platform to, to really shine. Whereas some of the bigger theater chains might not really want to do that. So the point being with that is that if you have the patience and time and a little bit of resource, you can go to outside movie theaters uh, from time to time if you really want to go and truly support the independent films. Uh, I'd say streaming platforms are also actually getting pretty good at, at picking up and and uh, promote or sorry distributing a lot of different independent films uh, out there and you know just getting behind those stories and giving them a platform. It's actually. I would actually argue that that's probably one of the best parts of independent films right now and the relationship they have with streaming is that I think so many more of them are getting made now uh, because streaming <clears throat> is a lot more of a, an affordable platform than, than having to distribute things in a movie theater, at least right now until, um, until theater owners maybe get around to changing the investment or the not investment model, the business model. That's, there we go. That's what I'm trying to say the business model of the theater. Um, anyways, I realize this, I, I could go in a lot of different directions for this, but I, I think you understand what I'm saying. Um, so talked about the different types of theaters, talked about streaming platforms. You can do that as well. Um, and then really, I think the, the last thing I would say is aside from watching them in the theater or the streaming platform is buying them. Uh, buying physical media when you can, I think is a great way to support it. Um, and it also looks great on your shelf too. So definitely, definitely think about that. But, oh, you know what? I, I apologize. I'm leaving off another one on there as well. You can also follow, uh, the film company's social media or follow the, the film. Even most independent films these days have a social media plug that you can do. Uh, follow it, talk about it on your own social media, share it, do that type of thing if you really care about it. So the, the long-winded answer for finding ways to support and, and you know share the love for them is by doing just that, sharing the love of the independent films and, and going, seeking them out. Don't just get 
lazy and just stroll, uh, you know, scroll through whatever the most popular hits are on Netflix. You, you actually have to do a little bit of work. I admit you got to do a little bit of work to find these movies, but I promise you it is well worth it. But I'm not here to, to solely talk about independent film. I'm here to talk about Bone Tomahawk. So S. Craig Zoller, he's the director of this. Um, I think he has a very unique, uh, very unique approach and style to his his films. That's for sure. So I've seen. I guess this will be the third movie I've seen. I don't. I don't he hasn't done too many, and I and I think Bone Tomahawk was actually his his directorial debut, which is uh, pretty remarkable when you think about that. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's pretty remarkable when you think about that, but. I feel like Zoller, as a filmmaker, he has a, a tendency to have his films be deliberately slow-paced uh, or a slow burn, as it's commonly referred to. And sometimes his dialogue can feel that way a bit, too, I've noticed across the three films I've seen of his. But <clears throat> I don't know. It's I like it. I, I've grown to like it since I've seen the three of his movies, and... I think it's always actually a high compliment to give to a director when I can watch a couple of their movies and know I'm like, oh, I'm watching a Zoller film right now because it has that much of a distinctive style to it. Almost like not comparing, but almost like a Tarantino where it's hard to mistake that for being somebody else's film because there is such deliberate choice and intention behind uh, all the actions, the the scenes, the the even the set designs, the structures. Sorry, the the story, narrative structure, that that kind of thing. But his his films are are a bit slow paced, you know. So that's just kind of a warning because there are a number of people out there that would maybe watch a movie like this and just want to you know watch the action sequences or watch the gory sequences, and they might not be so invested in the story because. Zoller definitely likes to take his time with his scenes. He doesn't like to rush things. Um, I think he sometimes likes to deliberately draw things out just for the sake of building tension or anticipation of scenes. But however you look at it, I found the pace for, for Bone Tomahawk good. Um, once I got into it and I understood like that this was going to be the overall mood uh, and direction for the story, I was certainly able to ignore some of that slow pace type of thing and, and just really get invested with the characters. Uh, the great dialogue that, that Zoller did, because he also writes his own movies uh, as well as directs them, uh, which is always, again, I think just uh, very, very high praise when someone is a both a writer and director at the same time. It's it's quite a lot to, to chew. So... Um, I know one thing that people have talked about with Zoller's movies in the past is uh, because of the slow pace and, you know, some of that nature of that, if, if he's a bit of a self-indulgent director, I I don't know. Uh, may, maybe a little bit. Uh, there, there's, I think in each one of his movies, I think there's been a scene or two where I'm like, ah, like, yeah, you could probably trim that up a little bit or maybe remove that one scene. Um, so, sure, I guess you could say there is a bit of bloat in in his movies including this one but again i don't think it's really enough to detract because there's so much originality and and chances being taken with this movie that i don't mind that it it 
takes its time, I guess. I, I really, I really didn't. And I actually found that because of this movie having uh, horror elements in it, that I was able to uh, honestly feel the stakes a bit more because of that purposely slow way that Zoller would let scenes build their tension to, you know, a point of eruption, usually in pretty gratuitous violence. Um, but anywho, uh, and, and yeah, and I, I, I guess I, I just touched on that briefly here, but there, there are a lot of horror aspects, uh, to this movie for sure. Um, I think first and foremost, this movie is a Western, but as I mentioned that, that independent films sometimes will do, uh, this, this is a genre blend of a movie. So it is, mostly I would say a Western, but it definitely, definitely has horror elements in it. Uh, which is really intriguing. I mean, very, very intriguing. I mean, if you're a fan of Westerns, uh, I don't think I can recall, I mean, any good Western that feels like a horror film too. I, I don't know. I, I think, I think the, the, the combination of this in the movies, it's pretty potent and, I don't know. I, I felt the stakes. I, I felt the tension when it was there. And there's definitely some nail-biting scenes in this movie. And uh, cringy scenes. And I, I don't mean like awkward cringe. I just mean like this is tough to watch kind of cringe. Uh, but uh, that's that's for you to decide if that's something that you can do. Because the violence in this movie I think is something that certain people would, would probably find as being a, a bit of a turnoff. Um, not for myself, but, um, yeah, I don't know. Well, well yeah, I'll, I'll get to that. I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll get to that one in a second. Um, but talking about blending genres, you know, like I said, this movie's great at taking Western and horror movies and mixing them together. I just, it got me thinking what other genres would be interesting if they got mashed together. I mean, you ever think about that? Like, I think, like, I feel like one I never see is like, mm, like a science fiction comedy. Like, think about that. I mean, how many of those are there outside of like, let's say space balls, you know, I, space balls, let's say, you know, space balls, where the space balls, if you're living in a bubble and you haven't got a care, why am I singing the Spaceball song? It's got nothing to do with this. <laughs> um, anywho, you get my point. There, yeah, you know what? There should be a, a sequel to Spaceballs, right? Spaceballs, a search for more money. That's what we need. It's what we need. It's what we want. But why? Why am I using this episode as a plug for Spaceballs too? Uh, I don't really know, but. Hey, we're gonna we're gonna keep going. That's what we do. We just keep going. Um, but let's see. Let's see. What are some other What are some other genres that would be worth combining? Uh, okay, I'll just I'm, I'm yeah. Let's just speed fire it, right? Let's just go. Just say a bunch of them. Don't think. Just do it. Uh, a pirate movie with a crime thriller. Sure. A mafia movie that's a romantic comedy. There you go. Um, a survival movie that takes place in the 1800s so it's a period film and a survival story how about that um let's see a great depression era story 
that is all about um, the common man liking prohibition. Wait, no, no, that's that's not a genre. That's just ta- that's just telling a different aspect of the of the the time period, right? I I don't know. Um, let me think of one more. Uh, let's go with mystery. Let's go with mystery thriller. Yeah, mystery combined with uh, a satire, a mystery satire. Could that work? I don't know. But I, I think you get my point. There's a lot of different ways that it's it's very interesting when you start when you stop and think about taking different genres and meshing them together and seeing what you can come up with. And what's more interesting about that too is even if you combine something, how do you ultimately decide what the overall tone of it is? Because usually that's the, that's the thing with one specific genre is like say science fiction that tends to sometimes have a very distinct tone. Whereas, you know, uh, just a pure action film also has a specific tone. So it's like, do you balance both the tones together? Do you let one overrule the other? I'm not really sure, but I want you to think about it because this movie, Bone Tomahawk, does a masterful job, I think, at taking two completely different genres and mixing them together and having it be seamless and having it be uh, just awesome. Um... You know something something else that's that's worth talking about on this too is just westerns, I guess, as a whole. Um I'll be honest, I've never been a big western guy. Not not really. Uh there, there's some that I like. Uh, I I'll, I'll I'll just name a couple. Uh 310 the Yuma, the Christian Bale, um Russell Crowe uh, remake, I believe. I, I I believe 310 the Yuma is a remake. Someone can correct me on that if I'm mistaken. But 310 the Yuma, it's a good western. Um Tombstone, of course. I mean, shit, that's got Kurt Russell in it with his amazing mustache, which uh in this you know, I I realize there there is a lot of different a lot of different subjects going on in this episode, but uh, Kurt Russell's facial hair, right? I mean, think I mean, just look at it. It is magnificent. His his mustache, his beard, uh, the whole thing. I am incredibly envious of that man's hair. Um, it is a gift, a gift, Kurt. You you got a gift with your hair, and it's very fitting for him being. Um, what what is his sheriff's name in this? Uh, Franklin Hunt, yeah, Franklin Hunt, the sheriff. Uh, but let's see, yeah, so yeah, Tombstone, another good one. Uh, I guess was Wyatt Earp okay? I don't think that was that that great. That's got Kevin Costner in it. Uh, it wasn't that good. Um, Magnificent Seven, both the original and the remake. I think both those are actually pretty solid. Uh, is there is there others? I guess people always think of like the Clint Eastwood movies, which I admit those were before my time when I'm thinking of Westerns, you know, Outlaw Josie Wales, Good, and, Good, the Bad and the Ugly. Um, I have great respect for those films, but I, I wouldn't really say they're my favorite. Um, but I want to I unpack this a little bit more is to just kind of give you an insight as to why. I mean, it's, it's one thing for me to say like, oh, I don't really like Westerns that much, but come on, like, you know, there's got to be a reason. And maybe I don't even know the reason. That's why I'm talking about it out loud. I'm just trying to uh, to unpack it, to try to figure it out. I don't know. Am I alone on this? I mean, is anybody else kind of like on the fence about Westerns or think they're just kind of eh? 
I don't, I don't really know. Um, I think, yeah, I'm going to talk through this. Yeah, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to talk through this. So I think Westerns can just sometimes be a bit, uh, be a bit repetitive maybe is the word I'm looking for. Um, I don't know, you know, a little cliche, a little formulaic. I mean, how many times can I see somebody get shot down in the street for something or, you know, someone ride in, howdy, partner. <laughs> Whoa, what are you doing there? What in tarnation? I don't, <laughs> I, I actually don't even know what that means because most, most of those, even those respectable Westerns I mentioned, they don't do that. Um, but if, I don't know, maybe it's got something to do with just the time period, with just the fact that like everything is you know, in some dusty town, uh, nothing, none of the technology is current. So maybe there's like somewhat of a detachment to it. So like, I'm not having like a, a relation to, uh, to the story or maybe it doesn't feel as relatable because it feels so much like a different time frame. I don't know. I don't know. Or just the fact that maybe Westerns as a film are just kind of difficult to pull off and, and keep the audience engaged and interested and, and doing something unique and fresh with it. Maybe that's what it is. But all that said, I think Bone Tomahawk does a really good job of it. Um, I like the location that, that it's shot in. It's like, again, it's shot in Malibu, California, but I mean, it looks great. I think this is a really nice looking movie. Um, definitely definitely has all the the old west flavor that you would be looking for in a western so i think it hits all the marks on that especially for it being a lower budget movie um and i don't know i mean i i think it's i think i think it's accurate i don't know like i i'm sure there's somebody out there that watches westerns that is like you know oh that handgun's not accurate that's that's not a colt uh, 217 <laughs> Or, you know, Billy the Kid never did that. I I don't know. Who's got the time to be a historian about everything going on in the Old West? You know? I I don't I don't know. I don't know. But I I think for Western it was it was just fine. Um I want to talk about those trog troglodytes. Yes, the troglodytes. Uh they're scary. I'll tell you right now. They are scary. Um the movie is very much, I think, kind of like Jaws for a little bit where it doesn't really show them that much, at least initially. So it goes for the, the less is more approach. <clears throat> it goes for the less is more approach. And I definitely think it's effective, especially when they howl. Because that's the thing that they do throughout this movie is there will be times where the characters are walking and like you'll hear just like, oh, I don't <laughs> Uh, I don't know. I was trying, that was me just trying to do a terrifying animal, scary animal noise. But in fact, it's actually a person. Uh, let's, let's try it again. <laughs> okay. I'm gonna, I'm gonna damage my voice box if I keep trying that and or make you shut this podcast off. You're like, oh my god, dude, that was that was a bit much. Yeah, that was a bit much. But point is they make some freaky noises in this movie. They really do. And Okay, I guess I'm gonna give a tiny mild spoiler because I just I found it so, so interesting. 
So one of the characters ends up, uh, you know, killing one of these guys. They are the, the villains of the movie. So there's some gunfights with them and uh, he does take one of them down. And then he discovers that, that the, the uh, troglodyte ended up having like a piece of bone, like lodged like, in like, deep into his neck and i think it's like a i don't know if it's like an animal bone of some kind but like it's like i don't even know how they did it it's like literally like surgically like inside the dude's neck and then he ends up like taking like a knife and like cutting it out and and then using it sort of as like a fake animal call uh to to get the other people to draw the other troglodytes out and and sort of take them out one by one but it's really it's really bizarre and makes me wonder like were there actually were there actually like Indians that would do that to themselves or is that possible you know was the was the movie taking some liberty with that cuz i just i was very very curious as to how in the hell that would actually work it was very very strange but unique um and i guess either way i i liked it i i thought that was a very clever um story story mechanic I, i'm not sure uh but they 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 were able to do a lot with that uh with that ability in the story like their ability to make that noise they were able to play around a lot with how they can make um different scenarios with that voice being interesting and if you've seen the movie like you'll, you'll know what i'm talking about if you haven't you might like not have gotten what i'm what i'm trying to describe there but if you've seen it um, you'll get what I'm talking about. It's really, really interesting. So I'd be curious to hear what other people think about that. Um, but I thought they were scary. And in particular, towards the towards the third act, uh, which is definitely where the movie gets as violent as... Or I shouldn't say as violent. I mean, the third act is where the violence really... You know, the shit hits the fan. And it's intense, it's very, very intense, and that's something else that I notice about Zoller's movies is that each one of them seems to have uh, a distinct flair for violence, and in particular, it's uh, shock, um, shot, raw shock value, if you want to call it that, because, I mean, his movies don't pull punches with the violence. Sometimes... Sometimes, like, it might feel over the top, depending on, you know, what your definition of realistic is, but I don't think, he, I don't know, I think he's just trying to go for impact with the violence, but the point is, is that in this movie, towards the third act, uh, there is some very, very disturbing violence in this movie, and, uh, you know, the scene that stands out to me in particular is... Again, I, I don't. I really don't want to give too much away because I mean, it's. I think it's a great scene despite the gruesomeness of it. But there's a scalping scene and a whiskey flask scene. I don't want to say any more, so you'll just have to see the movie. But I want to talk about that scene, even if you haven't seen it, and just talk about violence and how it's presented um, in a movie like this, and if it is gratuitous or if it goes over the line. I think it's an interesting, interesting subject. So given the context of the scene and, and what happens with it, when, when the violence ramps and it, and it peaks in this scene, I don't know. I mean, it's gratuitous for sure. And 
the camera is not pulling away. It's, it's showing all of it. And it's, I mean, it's not trying to be quick about it either. I, I think it's, I don't know. It, fe- it felt very, very authentic. And for me, I, I mean, I don't really get grossed out too easy from gore, but I, as a man, I, yeah, I mean, I, I cringed, you know, I, I was, I was definitely on edge in this scene and like almost didn't even want to look at the screen because it was that difficult to watch, but I got to go back to the story and the context of it because given what the scene was about and what it was trying to capture, which in my opinion was the dire, dire sense of dread and hopelessness for the, the characters that are stuck in the situation where this scene is happening. They, they don't have any choice, but, but to watch. And I don't know. I think they wanted the audience member to feel exactly the level of sheer terror and and darkness that those characters must have felt if they were witnessing those acts in real life. I, I don't know if that makes sense, but I I don't know. It's part of the reason I think I really like Zoller as a filmmaker is because he does take those chances with it and he doesn't shy away from it. He knows exactly what he's doing with that, why he's doing it. And yeah, it's, it's hard to watch, but at the same time, anytime I've seen it in his movies, it makes sense for the characters and it makes sense for the story. And I also think that sometimes by showing that type of, of gruesome, you know, gruesome nature or a gruesome, uh, violence, just, uh, just straight violence for violence sake, I don't know. I, I think sometimes there's a point with it. It, it doesn't like Zoller doesn't really feel like an Eli Roth where if you've ever seen like any of his movies, like uh, I think he doesn't Eli Roth do like those hostile movies, right? So, again, someone out there that knows like horror movies a bit more than me, they, they can probably tell me about that, but it doesn't just feel like it's there just to be there. Because it's not like it's throughout the whole movie either. It's not like there's just like super gruesome scene after super gruesome scene. It's it's very purposeful and and the intent is I think the intent's always uh, to have it enhance the scene. It's it's there to serve the story. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. I, I think his violence when it does happen it works for the type of movie that he's doing and certainly makes it stand out because if he keeps doing this in his movies, having these very, very intense, violent graphic scenes play out. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it could be part of his signature style, part of what makes him him, uh, which I think any director should be so lucky to have that much of a distinct voice to be able to, you know, have the confidence. Uh, that's something I would say. Yeah, I hang on. I, I, I promise I'm not going to detract too much, but that's definitely something I would say about Zoller and this movie as a whole is that it's got confidence because not every director, for one, would take the chances that Zoller takes with the violence and still have you not just get up from your seat and leave. Um, but then not every audience member would be able to sit through it too. So I feel like there's a mutual trust between 
the type of audience that Zoller is likely going for. Uh, but then also the audience that's seeking movies like this out. I feel like the ones that like Bone Tomahawk, the ones that watch it more, um, they are likely, you know, I, maybe more of a niche audience group, but like they're, they're geared for this type of thing. You know, the real, the real fans of this type of movie. I mean, like they're okay. They can handle, um, they can handle excessive violence if, if that's what you want to call it. But anywho, long, long, being a bit long winded on that, but I'm curious what, what you think about violence in movies, you know, if there is a line and, and can it be crossed or what's too much, you know, it's like, a you know, like, let's say like a saw is, you know, do those movies go too far? Is, is that a bit too much? Is it just, you know, like torture porn? Like what, what are we talking about here? Not really sure, but it's, yeah, it's something, something to think about. <sighs> I don't know, but I'm just, I admit, I'm thinking about the, those scenes that I described, the whiskey flask and the scalping scene. Uh, those are going to be burned in, in my memory for a while. So I guess if you want to have, if you want to scar yourself for a little bit, then yeah, go ahead and watch bone Tomahawk. Cause you are going to, well, you're, you're going to be thinking about it or, or maybe you shut it off when, when that scene happens. I, I don't really know, but anywho, I'm trying to think, do I have anything else that I want to talk about on this movie? Um, I just want to give it another recommendation. I yeah, you know, I'm I'm going to use this episode as more of just a a direct way to plug it because I really I really think this movie's got a lot going on. I mean, it's got a good cast: Kurt Russell, Patrick Wilson, Matthew Fox, Richard Jenkins. Hell, I mean, David Arquette. You know, David Arquette. You remember him from like C Spot Run and uh, Scream movies? Uh, he's in it for a little bit. Um, I'd like to see him actually be in more movies, but anywho, it's, it's got a great cast and you know, the, the, the setting is great. The story, it's purely original. I think it's got such a unique premise with it being a blend between uh, a Western and a whore. Um, it's got, it's got a very, very memorable, violent scenes. Um, but, but they are, I mean, they pack a punch, and for this type of a story that's trying to be a real hard hitter, I think it succeeds in spades. And then, uh, you know, it's just something different. And I mean, that that's ultimately what I would say about Bone Tomahawk, is that it's just really something different. If you're tired of, of seeing, like, your typical Western films, and you want something that's going to challenge you as an audience member, um, not just from, like, how much you can stomach from what you're seeing, but challenge you in the, the the narrative structure that you're used to seeing like if you're not typically accustomed to a slower paced movie hell i mean give it a shot you might actually find that there's something to admire uh or something to take away from a movie that's not trying to just be a bunch of quick cuts all the time and throw in a bunch of special effects i don't know i don't know about you guys because for me i love movies that take their time I like movies that aren't afraid to take their time with scenes, really let a scene breathe, let actors play in the scene, um, not feel like it's shot from 20 different angles. I don't know. Um, yeah, this this movie really knocked me on my ass, and I like I said, I like Zoller's other two movies, so I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna give this one a, a glowing endorsement. But again, you've been warned. I've said it over and over on this, but the violence it might not be for everybody, but 
uh, to the right audience member, this this is going to be one of those movies, I think, that is going to only continue to grow cult status and uh, just be one that people people in movie circles will definitely be talking about this one, and I'm, I'm sure they still are, even after 2015. So, anywho, that's all I got on Bone Tomahawk. Uh, really, really appreciate it. Um, appreciate you again for coming by, checking out the episode. I uh, do want to give a couple of quick announcements, actually. I haven't done that yet on, on this podcast, but I'm very, very excited to share a couple of things. So one, uh, this coming weekend, um, actually, I actually am going to be having uh, my little brother's girlfriend uh, on the podcast. So that's right. Another lady, not just my mom. Okay. Cause I know the, the last, <laughs> the last lady I had was her, but uh yeah, my little brother's girlfriend, uh, she's going to come on the podcast, and I think we're going to have a great conversation. Um, I, I don't want to say what exactly we're going we're gonna to talk about. She has something that she's bringing to the table, but I'm looking forward to it. Uh, but then the big news I got, the, the big, the big uh, breaking news that I have is that this coming Sunday, uh, I'm, I'm fortunate enough that I'm going to be going to get uh, – ah, <laughs> sorry – this Sunday, I'm fortunate enough to be able to go and see a, a screening of the classic indie film, Napoleon Dynamite, and then the actual cast is going to be there. Uh, John Heater, uh, Edgar Ramirez, and uh, John John Cries or Grise, I, I, I apologize, he's the guy that plays Uncle Rico in the movie. So the three of them are going to be there, and they're actually going to be doing a live Q&A after the movie. And then they're doing like this meet and greet thing and the whole thing. And so I'm going to be there for all of it. Uh, and I'm just really super, super excited to share that with you all. Cause I'm going to do uh, a dedicated episode, just talking about Napoleon dynamite here, um, coming up here in the future. I'm going to talk all about the meet and greet and how that whole thing went. And I'll try to share as much of that as I can, uh, on like the Instagram page for screen speak and whatnot. So just really, really, uh, get, get ready for that episode. Um, to come out here in the near future, but just, yeah, just, I, I can't contain the excitement. I'm very, very excited for it. So that's it for announcements. That's it for this episode. So I really sincerely appreciate, ah, appreciate you all for being here. I got to stop this recording before I do more mushmouth. <laughs> okay. You all take care and have yourselves a great week.